0: Check out my new show, Nicola Talent, presents Getting Away With Murder, live at Liberty Hall on September 20th, brought to you by MCD. Tickets on sale at ticketmaster.ie
1: It's so incredibly rare for um, an unlawful death to happen in our prison system. In the last 20 years, you could count them on, on one hand. He was asked, did he have any concerns for his safety? He said he didn't. He didn't want, he didn't need protection or anything like that. But unfortunately, by Friday evening, he he had suffered those catastrophic injuries that he, he was never to recover from after after that vicious assault.
0: I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The murder of Robbie O'Connor behind the walls of Mountjoy Jail has been a shocking and rare killing of an inmate in the Irish prison system. Lured to a cell by his attackers and fatally injured in a matter of seconds, his brutal death is a reminder of the highly dangerous and volatile atmosphere that exists at all times in our jails. Today, I'm talking to Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy about the motives behind the murder, and about the systems in place that make sure such killings are the rarest of occurrences. We discuss the perfect crime scene that was left behind for investigators, and why science, and not motive, will prevail in solving the crime. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Ken, the investigation into Robert O'Connor's murder in Mountjoy Jail will be slightly different than if this murder happened in the outside world because it gives the detectives a little bit of time. Not, none of the suspects are going anywhere, are they? They're all going to be locked up. It's not a case that, in cases of murder investigations, often there's a fear that somebody might leave the country. This is significantly different to, to, to most.
1: Yes, um, in, in this very tragic and horrible case, um, Gary have said they're in absolutely no rush in relation to um, their investigation because, as you rightly say, um, the prisoners who are suspects um, for involvement in it are going nowhere anytime soon. Um, the three, three particular people of interest are all serving lengthy jail sentences. They've all been separated from each other and other inmates, and they're expected actually to be moved out of Mountjoy um, to, to individually to different prisons. So, Garret, are in the, I suppose, a, a very beneficial position f- from their investigative point of view, in the sense that um, suspects are identified. They know they're going no nowhere anytime soon, and they have plenty of time to build their case. They're, they say there's there's going to be no rush about um, questioning or arresting these suspects. They they have all the time, really, in the world to build up all the evidence before they actually uh, speak to speak to the people they believe are involved in this.
0: And again, I suppose the crime scene is very contained. Um, you know, nothing is going to happen there. It's contained within the prison. That sounds like an obvious thing to say. But, you know, often if a crime scene is in a home, forensic officers could, can go in, have to get out. God knows how many people have been in and out of it. The crime scene that is the prison is a particular environment. While prisoners can walk around between cells, by and large everyone's location is pretty much known at any one time.
1: Yes, and there's a there's brilliant CCTV in Mountjoy Prison as well on the landings. Um, and in fact in, in relation to this horrific case on Friday evening, um, the the victim Mr O'Connor was seen going into the cell with one individual and two others quickly followed in and the whole, the whole incident lasted just a matter of a number of seconds. Um, it was It's believed he was actually struck with a blunt instrument possibly contained in a sock um, and then kicked a number of times in the head while he was on the ground suffering the, the fatal head injuries that he did but at least two prison officers came upon the scene and the assault happened. But pretty much within minutes of that, the Gardaí were notified of what happened and um, Mm. they were up and the whole area was sealed off. And on Friday night, a full technical examination of the area happened and the clothes that those inmates were wearing were seized and they're going to be, uh, undergo all kinds of forensic tests for DNA, etc. So, it's, the the Gardaí are in a good place in relation to this investigation because, as you you rightly point out, where it happened, it's so, it's unique really compared to most crime scenes, um, most Mm. murders that we discuss on on this show.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, um, we've loads to talk about here because I want to talk about the whole, you know, life in prison. I suppose this really shows how dangerous prison life is um, can be and is constantly you know there 's tensions there all the time about to explode, how the prison uh, management managed that, and all that, but before we come to that, maybe a bit about Robert o 'Connor, the victim, who he is, and maybe what sort of things are are, are being suggested as what might have led to friday night 's murder
1: well robbie o 'Connor, as he was known to his pals, was from the Darrendale area of, of the city he's like i suppose hundreds if not thousands of unfortunate young men. He he got sucked into a, a life of crime essentially through his drug habit. Um, he had a number of previous convictions um, for a variety of offences, drug offences, stealing cars, this kind of thing. Um, he, on the day that, uh, sorry, t- two days before he was brutally attacked, he was sentenced to six and a half years for firearms offences. Um, in Dublin Circuit C- Criminal Court, where he he had said, or evidence was given, that he, he was um, carrying around basically a, a murder kit, um, which included a loaded, loaded se- semi-automatic pistol, as well as two pairs of gloves, two face masks. Um, when he was caught in Finglas uh, last October, um, it was believed he was on his way to carry out um, a shooting against a notorious Fingless criminal but he got six and a half years on Wednesday f- for that offence, which would be his most serious uh, run-in with the law. Previously, he would have been associated with a grouping of Kulak criminals, including a guy called uh, John Paul Brennan, who's, I suppose, he, he was, you probably remember Nicola as well, about t- 10 or 12 years ago, he was qu- quite a significant player in, in the gangland scene in North Dublin, but he's believed to now be based abroad. But um, Mm. Mr. O'Connor would have been associated with him, but never considered a major criminal.
0: Um, God, they're quite serious, though, that he was going around with a kill kit in his car. And um, I I have to say, I don't know about you, I hadn't heard of him or he hadn't been on my radar before. Obviously, he's been in and out of the courts, etc. And sometimes, you know, there's so many of these guys, you can't be aware of all of them. But um, he was obviously kind of up there,
1: well, by the evidence that was given in court on, on his behalf, um, suggested that he agreed to move the gun um, in order to pay off a dr- mm. uh, drug debt. Um, but what, what he was caught with in that car seems to show that, um, you know, he, he was up to something far more serious, but he wouldn't have been at a higher echelons of any criminal gang. It's, he, he was... A fall guy, uh, from in many ways. Um, Who, especially if he's accounted to be believed that um, he did what he did because he was in fear of his life, and he had this uh, long-standing problem with drugs.
0: Yeah, often we we discuss these these cases, and I will get comments in in the aftermath from people, and you know, we have to take what's said in court as what's accepted because, you know, that's where we're coming from. We can't, I suppose, deal with gossip or with with whatever friends or foes say about people. We have to just give the facts on this show, don't we? And that's what was said about him in court, so we have to accept that. Um, but if somebody is jailed like that, they get 60. Now, he was already in, prison, in the prison system, but if a kind of an individual comes before the courts and... They've been involved in whatever it is, gang, crime, and they're convicted. They go into the prison system and there is this sheet drawn up of them about who they are and who those friends and foes are. In the last few years, I suppose the most significant um, ticks and boxes that have to be ticked by the prison service are whether people are kinahan or Hutch, and that way it's decided where they are safe to be housed and all the rest of it. Um do you have any idea, did he go in and was there a list of sort of would-be enemies within the prison service or was he assessed as being high risk? Did he need to be put into any isolation or was he free to kind of move around the, the system?
1: Well, initially he was free and there was no major red flags with him. Um, but on the very day he was sentenced, he, he had been based in the, after serving some time in Clover Hill, um, he'd been in Mount Joy for a number of months, he'd been on the A-Wing. But on the very day that he was sentenced, um, he was actually assaulted, assaulted with a kettle. Um, the prison staff deemed that he needed medical attention, which he declined. After this incident happened, now a number of prisoners have been disciplined for this assault on him, which happened last Wednesday. Um, after this incident happened, it was decided to move him off that landing on the A-wing where he was to this, the C landing and uh, for his own safety. Once he went down to the sea landing, uh, there was a number of very serious criminals there, including some linked to the Kinnahan cartel. He was asked, "Did he have any concerns for his safety in relation to any of these other inmates that were on it?" He said, "He didn't. He didn't want. He didn't need protection or anything like that." But unfortunately, um, by Friday evening, he he had suffered those catastrophic injuries that he he was never to recover from after after a vicious assault. I suppose it works two
0: ways in the prison system. The um Officers within the prison service, as far as I know, they do have their own intelligence unit, so they gather kind of bits of information about who may be in danger, who's fallen out with who, but also the inmates themselves will usually volunteer the information, particularly if they feel their life is under threat. And those ones that go into protective custody that are, you know, pretty much on their own all day in a cell, let out to eat and to exercise, um, they've nearly all Sort of raised the red flags themselves haven 't they, because they know or they have been threatened and they and they their only way of survival is to go into this this protective custody
1: yeah, well, figures um, that were released actually yesterday um they're fairly current they're up to from the end of April, but there was five hundred and seventy five inmates in the in the prison system where there's about four thousand and thirty inmates at the moment, five hundred and seventy five inmates um were on protective, you know, on a protective regime, and out of that, five hundred and sixty-three had asked to be on it. So um, that it generally works that the, the prisoner will, um, the prisoner will flag it rather than the other way around. Mm. But in saying that, the prison service themselves have a very good intelligence network within the jails, and I suppose this is reflected on the fact that um, we're de- we're talking about a murder here that happened. Um, it's so incredibly rare for um, an unlawful death to happen in our prison system. You could, you know, in the last 20 years, you could count them on, on one hand. Um, the, the last one before the terrible events of last Friday was in court Prison in 2015, when an inmate was stabbed to death in a row over a TV. And you're going back the, to 2006. Before that, the horrendous case of Gary Douch, who, who was murdered um, by basically a deranged prisoner in the basement of Mount Joy Prison. But... So all in all, the the intelligence system that the that's operated by the officers within the jail generally works perfectly, considering the tensions that, that are in, in these institutions.
0: Mm. I mean, like what you're dealing with is, I mean, you're talking figures and there's thousands of prisoners in the system at the moment and we're near capacity, but like five hundred and seventy-five prisoners last April in protective custody, that must take a huge amount of work to um sort of police that system, that they're not going to be in any place where they're going to be with a rival. It just shows really, I suppose, that prison behind those big thick walls of Mount Joy lies all sorts of bad relationships, people of kind of volatile nature. It must be a horrendously frightening place to be, to exist. Um, And we don't really sort of you know people just see somebody was sentenced and they will complain they didn't get long enough or whatever, but that's just the beginning of the journey isn't it and and really the the prison system has the has a huge job there
1: yeah, but they they have great experience as well you referenced the um the feud and I suppose it was a, a brilliant way for for them to be able to organize how to keep people away from each other and they did a fantastic job um when there was murder and mayhem on the streets in 2016 and 2017, and yet you had a load of these guys from both factions involved, you know, locked up in in various different prisons in Dublin, and there was they were kept apart brilliantly. So the the prison service, their intelligence system generally is is of the highest quality.
0: Mm. So Robbie O'Connor hadn't sort of suggested that he was needing protective custody, hadn't requested it. um, While that assault was recognised, I'm sure assaults like that happen all the time, every day in prison. I'm sure there's always general sort of argy bargy going on, but um, he's moved into this, this uh, C, C, C
1: sorry, C2 landing. Yeah, Nicola
0: C2 landing. Sorry. Um, what do you think happened there or what sort of motives are they now looking for uh, within what was happening with Robbie O'Connor, maybe with other people there? What sort of uh, motives are being investigated at the moment? Well,
1: there's a number of different motives being investigated, but the, the, strong, the strongest at this moment in time is that uh, the victim himself, um, a close associate of his, had been assaulted on the outside, not within the jail system. And it, it is alleged, or it, has been, it is being investigated, that Mr. O'Connor um, had ordered that the person who carried out that assault, who himself had ended up in prison, um, be attacked, be slashed across the face. Now, this attack did happen. So it's been investigated, whether it, associates of that individual um, basically... Either paid or or got these other guys to to do this for a debt because of a debt that was owed, or f- or for various different reasons. But uh, there's a number of other uh, motives that are being investigated in, in relation to what happened, including the fact um, that what he was actually given a six and a half year jail sentence for, whether a major fingers criminal who has links to the Kinahan cartel. Um, it, it is believed that O'Connor had been on his way to target a, a relative of this um, notorious criminal when he was caught by the Gardaí with the with the firearm. Um, that, that's certainly been looked at. There's um, a number of other theories as well. So um, mm. I, I think motive nowadays, especially with the level of forensics and evidence, particularly in this case, is not as important as what... It might have been a murder investigation as it would have been 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you
0: know? Yeah, absolutely, because they will be, as you say, they have the clothes of the suspects, they have the crime scene locked down, and more than likely this is going to be, if it comes to the courts, which it likely, I mean, it's it's almost unimaginable that it won't, but it will be a very technical case involving scientific evidence, and the motive probably might not even come into it because there have been some murder cases you know, I've covered in the past largely gangland, and you're kind of left going, well, well, "What was that about?" But it's not important anymore, really, in in, in a lot of ways, to to have a motive. But uh, obviously, it's part of the you know public interest, maybe more so, to find a motive in this and to uh, to cover it from that fashion. Those suspects. Um, so you're saying like they might have just been. Paid to do it, and they didn't have any
1: actual beef with him. Personal beef with Robbie O'Connor. Well, that that certainly has been looked into, and, and it, it seems that more than likely at this stage, I suppose it is an early, early enough stage. That seems the most likely, mm. the most likely thing in, in this one.
0: Mm. So obviously, somebody very powerful there in the background then must be either ordering that, if that is the case, and we're just speculating here, but somebody very powerful in the background or. With the money is ordering are suggesting to these people that they do this and they've no, they've either no way out of it or I don't know, look, my goodness. Um, it's just such a frightening scenario that somebody would be trapped in a cell and attacked in such a way that they've no way out. No matter what Robbie O'Connor did or was, um, it's a horrific way for any human being to die. The um, investigation going forward, the Suspects involved will, is it likely they'll all be charged with murder or will there be other charges that are being looked at? I mean, were some of them l- look out? Was there one particular one individual maybe who, you know, who, who hit him with the, the fatal blow um, or is it likely going to be seen as a, a, an orchestrated murder and each one involved will, will face the, 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 the highest penalty?
1: I suppose a, a lot of work needs to be done in, in relation to the guard investigation side of things on that, especially considering that the people involved in this, the people that were in that cell, are are very, very, very unlikely to cooperate with any investigation. They're all very hardened criminals. Um but one theory, which seems to be prominent enough at the moment, is that it was one of these three that actually, you know, was was the main uh, main person in relation to the assault that struck struck the victim with a with blunt object. And um, mm. it's possible that the other two may have been just lookouts. But again, all that kind of stuff has to be um, distilled yeah. and investigated. And like we said earlier, the guards are in absolutely no rush um, with this one. Mm. And they are confident of being, you know, despite the obvious uh, hurdles in relation to lack of cooperation, etc. They are very confident of being able to get to the bottom of what happened.
0: We're rushing to to get the whole story. We'll have to wait a while ourselves. The um, 2015 stabbing of Graham Johnson, the 42-year-old in Cork, was over a uh, choice of what was on the telly?
1: It was, yeah. Um, It seemed that there was an argument over... God, when you think of it, it's so petty as well. It was an argument over switching television channels... And um, the killer is a guy from Dungarvan in County Waterford, a, a guy called Brian Veal. I think he's run into other disciplinary problems in the jail sy- system since. But um, he, he stabbed the victim um, who was from West Cork uh, through the heart with a carving knife and uh, apparently even kind of gloated at witnesses and stuff like that. So um, quite a nasty individual.
0: Obviously very intent on watching whatever program he wanted. Um- The Gary Actually, similar enough as, well, not quite the same, but uh, we'd often have quite hefty rows in this house about changing the television set. I don't think anybody was pulled a knife, but uh, a different environment.
1: Glad to hear it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you've had them yourself, Ken. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're all all human. We're all human. Um, The Gary Dooch case in August 2006, you know, that wasn't, again... And ordered. I'm really just going through these to sort of, you know, to talk out how these were probably moments of um, somebody being overcome with a desire to murder as opposed to something that's directed or that's planned in the same way as Robbie O'Connor's has. But Gary Dooch was a very unfortunate case and he was in a holding cell, I think, with a number of other people and was... Beaten or suffocated to death by another prisoner.
1: He was, yeah, he was, he was, he was put in a basement area of Mountjoy Prison because he had concerns for his own safety, and he was put in there with up to a half a dozen other inmates. But unfortunately for him, one of these was a guy um, Stephen Egan, who was extremely, an extremely violent person who who had uh, severe uh, mental health issues as well, and uh, Gary to mm. suffered a terrible death um, and. It was a number which was witnessed by a number of other inmates who were too terrified to get involved. Um, ultimately, Egan was later convicted of manslaughter rather than murder because, because of his mindset. He, he was found that he had dim- diminished responsibility. It's a,
0: it's a terrifying environment, really, prison, you know, and I think people, no matter whether they feel it or not, have to go around and show a toughness. But they must. A lot of people must be frightened in there, in that in the in the prison system, one way or another. You're surrounded by uh, really dangerous, really violent individuals, and it sounds like it's it's always teetering on the edge of something exploding. Um, I think prison officers have a really hard job as well, and that's maybe not recognised that often.
1: Yeah, well, they've, they've in general they've been doing a very very good job in such a difficult environment, considering all the feuds that are happening and and the nature of some of these criminals particularly those mm. that are suspected even in relation to the murder we're talking about now, are absolutely vicious people. Um, there's, mm. they're, they're very serious. So this is the daily environment that prison officers have to um, work in. And I suppose it's a credit to their work that um cases like this are actually so rare.
0: Well, maybe we'll come back to it over the coming months um, to see if there is kind of any clarity on exactly what maybe has been going on there. And you're going to continue reporting on it yourself anyway, Ken?
1: I am. I will be, Nicola. Right. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thanks, Nicola.
0: You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.